It's the Redemption Road Trip with Dana Vaudray and Pio today on Radio Live. We are meeting with Pauline and Bill McLeod, and they live in Lawrenceville, and um, they're really connected with the community. Pauline looks after Good Yarn Workshops yeah. here in the Waikato, and um, her husband, Bill, works for Rural Support. Rural. <laughs> rural. Rural Support. Rural Support. And I believe, they don't say anything if they're not there, but I believe there should be scones on the table. Pauline has mentioned scones. There has to be scones on the table. <laughs> but you talk about rural support, you know, um, being your urban, that doesn't sound like rural, urban Māori. You know, I've seen a lot of issues around, a lot of pressure around farming and, you know, and, and I think to myself, man, these guys work a lot of time by themselves, you know, and they, there can be some real uh, pressure and possibly uh, mental health issues around those pressures of farming. So, mm. and I'm glad these people exist, you know, to support them. You know, we forget too that, um, you know, a lot of, you know, when you talk about connection to Fenwell or to land, you know, you think of Māori connection to Fenwell and we have a slight, slightly different view about that. Um, but, you know, a lot of Pākehā families been connected to their land for many generations. A lot of sweat and children being brought up and barbecues and club sandwiches and asparagus rolls and scones! And scones. So I'm looking forward to this kōrero. Does everybody give you muffins? Actually, as we were driving those. here, <laughs> as we were driving here, I did say to Pio, now, I believe there may be something on the table, but which, if there's not, recorded. no throwing your toys out of the cot, just keep going, be professional. So yeah, as I walked in and saw the muffins there, I was very excited. And now I know how come you got here early. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so thank you for opening up your home and inviting us in. It's um, great to be here. And as pure chews on that muffin, I'll just start. Mm. <laughs> Um, why don't we start with you, Pauline, because we've, we've been chatting a little bit over the last few days and I've read a little bit about Good Yarns and you facilitate those workshops here in the Waikato region. That's Tell us correct. a little bit, what, what is Good Yarns? It's a, um, a workshop program and it's designed for rural professionals to help because they're the people who go up the driveways and are in contact with farmers they are the ones who often notice if there's a change in their behaviour leading up to showing that they're under stress, mm. that, hey, something's not quite right in your own well-being. Is there anything we can do to help you? And then be able to guide them through to um, appropriate help. So the, the Good Yarns program is a workshop. It's um, designed for 15 to 20 people where you encourage participation and sharing and it's looking at the well-being of ourselves as a caregiver, a helper and because we can't help anyone if we're not well and, and mm. healthy and then looking at what are the signs and symptoms that we could be looking for um, in somebody that we meet and then having enough skill and confidence to be able to say to them, you know, 
it's really been tough out there for a lot of people. How are you going? You know, you're sounding a little bit under stress. You know, you're not thinking about committing suicide, are you? And being able to actually confidently say those words. Mm. Because in our daily conversation, we don't say them. We're almost taught not to, though. Mm. I, I know, um, if I think all the way back to school, it was almost like if you say it, you put it in someone's mind. So let's not say the word. Yeah. There's no evidence to say, to, to prove, that if you actually talk about it and ask the question, that the person will actually go and do it. Yeah, and that was the, the fear that you just sort of said. You, you need some real skills to develop the trust quickly to be able to have that conversation though, don't you? Because, you know, um, I'm, I'm not from farming stock, but I know a lot of people who are from rural areas and, and they're strong in their own way. They do things in the way they think and that, you know, they can be a closed door, I would think sometimes, wouldn't it? It can be, yeah. and that's, I guess, the skill of listening to what your gut feeling yeah. tells you. In the body language. and The, the body language, um, the surroundings, yeah. the home. Um, sometimes it's a case of talking to the husband and then having a conversation with the wife or the children as well. Mm. And you pick up little things, and often the rural professional has met, you know, has, has a rapport already with the person. So they are the first ones perhaps to notice a change. So when you say rural professional, is that like a, um, like a health person or just... No, not necessarily. It's, it's your, um, your stock agent, right, your, your tanker bank driver, yep, your yep, bank yep, manager, gotcha. um, your yep. accountant, mm, those yep. people. Because as we've been driving through the country, you know, the houses are very spread out when you're in a rural area. So maybe you don't see your neighbour every day. So when you're teaching people in the workshop to look out for things, what sort of things are you looking out for? Basically, you're looking out for a change of behaviour in that person. So if you suddenly find that that person is becoming withdrawn, you know, he, mm. they, they used to always come to discussion group, but now, you know, they're not coming at all. Right. Um, the wife is sort of, maybe she's becoming tearful. Yeah. Maybe um, we, when you call to, to see how they, they are or why they haven't come to discussion group, you might notice that there's, you know, boxes of, of beer and yep. drinks. Uh-uh, something's not right here, you didn't used to drink, and now you're drinking a lot. Um, they're looking tired, and when you're talking to them, they're saying, well, I'm not sleeping. Well, you know, why aren't you sleeping? Well, I'm, I'm a bit stressed. So what's going on? Do you want to talk about it? So you're looking for a change in that person's behaviour. You've been doing these workshops for a while now. Are you getting people come back to you going, that made a difference, and I started a conversation because of being part of that workshop? Yes, but then I often don't see the people that I've run the workshop with, but they have an evaluation form that they fill out, and that's what I look for, is, is there a shift in their knowledge and their confidence? And I think too, I just did one the other day, and somebody came up to me and they said, hey look, I now feel a lot more confident in being able to just listen to what my gut feeling is yeah. saying and broach but, the subject. And not suppress it. Yes. How long ago did you recognise the need for this sort of service? I mean, has it been around for a while or just recent years, do you think? Good Yarns has been around for about the last two or three years, yep. and it was developed down south. I, that question's interesting because 
formally this hasn't been around that long. Right. But I think farmers have been doing it from day one. Yeah. When we started here, this is called Settlement Road, and they were settled after the First World War, 100 acre farms. And so there were a lot of farmers on this road. And there was no structure. But if we saw a dead cow in the neighbour's paddock, we'd wander over a bottle of beer. Yeah. That was rural support. Yeah, yeah. So there was 20, a culture of, of support. Yeah. Yeah, there, and sure. it's become more formalised now. And because the farms are so much bigger now, you pointed out, there aren't so many people around. And that's broken down, I think, to a certain extent. And that's why this formal one now is important. Yeah. You know, we have farmers who actually become quite insular now because they don't have the haymakers coming in. Right. You know, like I can remember 30, 40 years ago when the haymakers came, you know, mum made scones and packed up a picnic and she took it out and the neighbour's wife would come and so the woman would have a bit of a chin wag and the men would be over there, you know, finish that, all helping each other get the hay and laughing and talking and sharing. And that doesn't happen anymore. You know, the contractor comes in in the middle of the night sometimes, mm. bales the hay, and then he's gone. So some people can be quite insular in what they do. And one of the groups that has a high incident of depression and suicide are our younger farmers coming yes. out from home. You know, they, they haven't been prepared for the isolation, the long hours, um, and having to, to look after themselves, you know, washing and cooking healthy meals. At high level of debt. A high level of debt. Or on the other hand, if it's the first job, having a lot of money in their pocket and what do I do mm-hmm. with it? You know, sometimes they come onto farms, they've got no transport, so they're actually stuck there and until, you know, parents come maybe when it's their time off and take them away or their friends come. They watch their friends have the, the good life and they're, you know, so joint yeah. tired because often they start a job right on springtime, which is, you know, full, are on. full on in farming terms, yeah. And I'm not sure if your background, if you actually understand what it's like to live on a farm in springtime. I think there's a whole, whole heap of New Zealanders <laughs> who don't, mm. uh, haven't heard this conversation and, and don't realise. I mean, we realise stress and milk prices and all the rest of it and, 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 and balancing debt and stuff like that. But there's all these other things. See, I didn't realise that interaction around hay had changed. Mm. Okay. You know, the fact that this is a big move, so the family looks at this young man or young woman or young couple and the pressure for them to do well is also, you know, a big, you know, well, dad's there and I'm there and they don't want to fall over. So there's lots of pressures. There's an yeah. awful lot of pressure there. And, you know, and, and it's often a time when there are groups of people, you know, like you have your, your young farmers, then you have your young married couple with children, with babies, which then become brought up in and around a farming um, job. And we used to be able to um, send the children out with with dad on the on the on the bike right. you know to get the cows in yep. you can't do that anymore so yep. the lifestyle that people had is actually changing yeah. you know children would go into the cow shed and help because they went with mum and dad you know if you're baking a cake the children are up yep. beside you baking a cake if you're in the cow shed the kids are with you you know you're feeding the calf the children are with you well our kids but, would have all gone to sleep on a motorbike getting the cows in the afternoon yeah you know i'd take them 
and, and invariably, once the excitement of going out there and then you're coming back slowly, not go to sleep. So yeah. OSH and the requirements, the safety requirements around the industry of farming, have, you know, not, not deliberately, but... They've impacted. Yeah, they've impacted. I'll tell you, Olympia, that it's, it's impacted on the psyche of a lot of farmers is the pressures to do the right thing environmentally. Now, there are rat bags out there. The industry accepts that. We've got some people that are not doing the job right in dairy in particularly. But by and large, most of them are very conscientious. But they feel um, targeted. They feel second-class citizens. Because every time you watch the news or paper, mm. it's dirty dairy. Mm. And, you know, the... the I, I don't know what's been spent on the farm. We, we sold as part of the dairy farm last year, two years ago, and they've spent probably literally hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. on environmental things, and no one knows that. Yeah. You know, and, and like they are very good guardians of the... Yes, of, the, of the land. Because that's our living. It's, well, that the land feeds, yeah. you know. Look, I, I, I was the first one to admit we, we, we weren't doing it right years yep. ago. I mean, th that was partly ignorance. Yeah. Um, but also, we grew quite quickly as an industry and, and we didn't keep up with yep. what was happening. And everyone in hindsight can look back and say, yeah, they should have done this, I should have done that. Show me an industry that hasn't been caught out like that. Mm. So this does bring the pressure back onto and and you visit some of these young particularly younger farmers, but some of the older ones as well, and, and that is weighing very heavily on their mind. And when they get down with the wet weather and cows, health issues perhaps, and something going wrong at home, this is quite often the straw that breaks the camel's back. And the high debt. They've got somebody else on their back who they, who they feel is, is unjustified. Mm. And it's one thing to be targeted for something you've done wrong, but when you're targeted you feel unfairly it has quite a, a psychological impact it's it's it, it's the unfairness mm. i think and and so farmers look and they see that um that, that they might look at the lake in hamilton and say well why don't they clean up the lake in hamilton we never hear about that how come uh, Palmerston North can, can put things into the river down there and yet the, the farmers can't, you know, and, and so you get all these unfair arguments coming through. Now, they, they can be factual or they, they may not be, but it's a, it's a psychological impact of what I think is the unfairness that they're feeling that's mm. yeah. mm. tough, you know. Mm. Can you talk to us a little bit too about rural support? What does that involve? Well, Rural support is, is really farmers helping farmers, but I should really qualify that. It's actually rural people helping rural people because it's not all about farmers. Yep. It just happens to be most of them are. And so it's a trust was set up for farmers to go in um, with some, some training to listen, to reflect back to the people what they're hearing, uh, to perhaps develop an action plan, but to point them in the right direction. And if it's depression, here's depression.org. Right. Here's your local doctor. Would you like me to ring him before I leave? Yeah. And make an appointment, and quite often we've done that. Yeah. Um, it might be, it, it can be the full range from matrimonial problems, yep. uh, financial stress, the banks 
knocking on the door, environmental, uh, animal welfare, uh, suicide, of course, mm. is, is the primary one that we have to match the most. Uh, so so the, there's, there's a whole raft of things there. Now, technically, we're not allowed to give advice because we don't have insurance. Mm. So we generally say, if this sounds like advice, it's not, <laughs> but here's some things for you to think about. One of the most important things about rural support, though, is that we're actually invited in. So if someone has a concern or a problem, they ring our 0800 number and it's a central point and then from there the nearest facilitator is rung and they will then contact the person and say, I understand you've rung into rural support, would you like me to come out and see you? And from there the help is... is The contact's made in the... the, yeah. And it may be, I've had one just recently where the the woman said, no, look, I'm just um, happy to talk on the phone. I don't think you need to come and see me. I've done a follow-up call and she just said, I'm so thankful to have someone to talk to. Mm. Just And and so it can be as as simple as that to to a complex one where I'm not leaving here until I've got you to a doctor. Because uh, if I go out this gate... You might not be here tomorrow. Yeah. Wow. Mm. wow. And we are fortunate that the organisation is recognised to the extent if we ring a medical centre, mm. initially they'll say we don't have any appointments. If we say we need to speak to somebody in charge, please, uh, and they will get these people in. Because quite mm. often we hear about youth suicide, which is a real issue in this country as well. Mm. So to hear of, of you know of, of adults... Um, mature people getting to to that stage of darkness where they feel like you know taking their own lives is is incredibly sad and and it can be the older generation too where those farmers who are finishing off and selling up their farm and then going into retirement you know i'm no longer mr farmer who am i going to be what am i going to do i've lived on the land for the last 70 years and now I've got to move into town. Can I make that adjustment? So you guys help manage that transition if you can? If they ask us to. Right, sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, we point them in the, for them, isn't it? Yeah, and we will point them to the agencies yep. or that. Right, know, yeah. of course. Well, that's mm-hmm. the big help. And, and I mean, mm-hmm. like it, it can be also like sort of financial extent that you make an excuse look, I'd like to make you a cup of tea. Can I make the tea? So you can have a look in the cupboard. Yeah, and yeah. Sometimes yeah. there's no food there. Yeah. And so then, you know, $100 at the supermarket goes a long way. Yeah. yeah. And, and so sometimes it's as, as critical as that, isn't it? It comes in all shapes and flexibility, sizes. Doesn't it? I, I found it really interesting you mentioning the whole thing of retirement. I'd never thought about that. That whole thing, I've been mm-hmm. a farmer all my life, now who am mm-hmm. I? Mm-hmm. And all those big questions. Mm-hmm. I always think about when there's the pressure of farming, all the things that we've talked about. But also, you know, this has been in my family this land for generations and if you get yourself in a place where you you know the debt's creeping up and that you might lose it that Mm. sort of pressure you know of all those people all those generations that have been working this land been keeping it going and now it's in your hands and you're not having the same success you're not being able to look after it like they did and you're the one who could possibly drop the ball. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Mm. And it's, it's, that it's, ex- it's certainly at that end after the 60, 70 years, but it's also um, the first year 
they've, they've gone and they bought a farm or a herd and things have gone wrong, uh, climate, uh, frontier payout dropping, whatever, and suddenly um, they are, feel as though they've been watched by everyone yes. and the sense of failure, this tall poppy thing kicks in and they are so pleased sometimes when somebody rocks up and says, yep, we remember when we were paying 22% on our mortgage. Um, we remember being told, being told by the bank that we were uh, a failure. And, and I can say that because that's exactly what happened to us. Yeah. And so they know straight away that they're talking to somebody that understands it and they're not the only person to have been in this position. Because yeah. quite often they think that they're unique and they're not. If they only knew there's people around them that are in the same position and, and I guess that's the different uh, levels of tolerance people have to stress and where they are in their life uh, as, as to how they can handle it and, and I mean if certainly if I speak about myself if when we were in that position if I hadn't had a very supportive wife I don't think I could have made it mm. so if you were in that situation where you've got that going wrong and, 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 the, and the spouse or partner is flipping out as well, yeah. it's not only not helpful, mm. it's, it's, it's adding more fuel to the fire. And so um, sometimes you walk in and, and you actually become a marriage guidance counsellor as well because it's, um, I, I can't talk to you in front of her and she yeah. won't talk to you in front of them. And, and so you know both sides of the story, but you can't cross these boundaries unless they agree and so it makes some interesting conversations. We're not as quick to talk about our failures, are we, <laughs> you know? And I think, you know, it's huge for you guys to actually go, we've been there, we've done that, yeah. and we're on the other side. And I think that's, the, the, that's why farmers or rural people, have and rural people, are so successful because there are very few successful farmers out there that haven't been through the mill at some point. Uh, there, there, there are some that are fortunate, but they're... They're not that common. But most people can tell you a story of pretty hard times. And mm. Can you see, you know, what are your guys' dreams? You know, obviously to be redundant in, in, in the job, but can you, can you see things changing? I mean, you really can't see how the market's going to change or whatever, but people's ability to deal with, you know, those changes in the market, do you think, that's, do you think people are getting stronger? No, I think there'll always be a need for it. It might yeah. change in, in the way it manifests itself or, or, or what assistance we give. But, I mean, this is not just... Uh, we're talking about rural people, mm. but the same thing hap does happen in other business sectors as well, well for sure. of course. So I don't think that will necessarily change, and I don't think it's something that we should expect to never be there. It is, it is giving people the tools to deal with it is the important thing and, and the, the, where's the go-to person, the go-to uh, facilities to, to help and that's what our role is really, isn't it? And, and as far as for us, I mean, why we're in this is, is it creates a wonderful opportunity for us to give something back to, to farming. Like I left school at 15 and so to come right through and, and now be able to give something back to all those people that helped us along the way mm. and that's the unique thing about farming no one charges anyone for that advice in, in within the 
you know, there are consultants, obviously, but farmers will share with farmers how they do things for free. You've only got to ask. Mm. And so for us now at our stage to be able to give back is, is, is hugely rewarding, isn't it? And I think, too, that one of the things that the Good Yarns talks quite a bit about is actually looking after ourselves. Yeah, you know, the five steps, you know, you know be active, be healthy, have a good appetite, take on something new that you've never done before. Yep. Um, That's five. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and be really strong about doing those things. Yeah. And, and take time out to do them because so often we just we're always so busy mm. but actually we have to start thinking about ourselves well that's right because people who give so much you have to sometimes be a little selfish so you can charge your batteries mm. and then go mm. out there and you know and not feel guilty no. about it yeah and i think that's one of the things as you as you as you move into retirement you find you've got this time that you've always dreamed of just to do something for me you know this this new word of me time well you know don't feel guilty about taking it because i think now you just you just need it mm. yeah and if you want to go and do something new as you go into retirement well just go for it because you don't know what's around the corner but, but I think also, if you've been feeling down a little bit, and I'm, I'm not talking about people who've got depression, but for the average person to actually walk through a hospital or, or, or do some of this work and just realise how darn lucky they are and how you should live for the moment a little bit because a lot of people aren't at that spot. And, and so I, I think it's um, helpful for average people to sort of get out of it and, and, and deal with some of the less fortunate people out there. One of the things you said before about was that the younger men in our, in our farming community being at a high risk of suicide. I think if we do anything and get any message across is it's okay to ask for help. Mm. It doesn't matter how you're feeling to the level whether it's a high low or a low low there will always be somebody out there who will talk to you you know we have to get that message across that it's okay to ask for help well with this road trip we've been looking at the themes around easter of redemption and sacrifice and new life or new beginnings and new starts that people have been creating on new journeys and I've just seen actually just behind you you've got a whole bunch of bunnies <laughs> and it is Easter so I'd love to know what does Easter mean for you both? Well I, I think it, first of all in the context of a family it, it is about new beginnings and particularly for us the grandchildren I guess they are the new beginning of the next generation for us but when you talk about it in the context of rural support we have to remind ourselves that Christmas and Easter and those sort of holidays can actually be a catalyst yeah. to, to uh, loneliness and a, a, a total feeling of hopelessness. I'm not sure I understand why, but it's, um, I, I know through my marriage counselling training years ago that we would always get a spike in relationship problems around Christmas. And I don't think that's changed. So we just have to bear in mind that from uh, uh, a wide perspective 
and um, you know once again in a farming sense uh, my staff have all gone off to the beach I'm left on my own um, life's a bit of a bitch actually yeah. this holiday stuff is what Easter. good what yeah. Easter weekend I've yeah. still got to milk the cows yeah. and get up at 4 o'clock yeah. in the morning I hear you yeah. so you know it, it, it does have some interesting um, manifestations I suppose mm. uh, but yes certainly for, for Christian people it uh, is a time of new hope and joyousness and yeah, I, I agree with you. I think years ago we used to always have hot cross buns were never out in the shops until um, Thursday. But now they come out just after Christmas. And that's your first sign of Easter. And we used to always have homemade hot cross buns on Holy Thursday and invite the family and immediate neighbours around. And everybody's too busy and, yeah, and, yeah. and you've got out of the habit. And every Easter I keep thinking, oh, we should do it again, we should do it again. And it's hard to sort of start to do something like that again. But I think I will because I think it's so important. It brings families together, um, it brings neighbours together, it brings communities together. And this is what we're talking about, about you know, stopping people from being lonely, being isolated you know, if I do that, I get that feeling, that good feeling, and the endorphins kick in, and um, maybe somebody else would come and they bring something, and that helps them to feel good about themselves. And I think this, uh, you know, the reason why we have Easter is that um, that new life, you know, the dying um, Christ on the cross. I mm. think it's whether you're a Christian or you just believe it as a historical story. It's an important story to be told. And so I think somewhere in there, you've got this happening that you should take advantage of it and you know share a little bit of it with your, with your children. We recently sat next to our, a relative who was dying and he just said to us, the suffering that I'm going through is nothing like what Jesus did dying on the cross. And if you don't know that story, then there's part of your history missing. See, that's the Kiwi way. You know, a cup of tea and a, and a scone, but she went all flesh and gave us muffins. Very nice. I felt really um, humbled by people just opening their home so freely. Mm. I mean, you make a phone call, you say, hey, I'd love to come and have a chat and, and meet with you. Um, and for Pauline and Bill, you know, just to be so open and they've got so many different things happening today, but they put the time aside because they're very passionate about what, what we were talking about mm. um, and just so hospitable. I didn't really appreciate how big a problem it was. I knew it was a problem and a serious problem, but um, you know, once they, you know, started talking about suicide and, and mental health, I thought, wow, this is um, bigger than what I personally thought. I think sometimes too, when you have this big issue, it's almost like, where do you start? And I think the fact that they're actually teaching people what to look out for. Yeah. Um, is the perfect place to start. It's equipping people 
giving them tools to survive, uh, giving them the support to make the right sort of decisions. That's what those guys are doing in a really, um, you know, non-judgmental way. And they're farmers. You know, when, when, when they said, we've been through this, we've hit the lows, you know, well, they're in a good position to do that. And, you know, full credit to them.